Okay, so before jumping into the scripture reading this morning, I'd like to talk to our young ones here. I'm going to tell you all what the scripture reading is going to be about, what the sermon is going to be about, and then we're going to jump in. So, briefly, kids, have y'all, young ones, have y'all ever been in a game? Have y'all ever been in a game? Let's say, like, it could be a sports game or a board game, whatever. Have you ever been in a game where your team loses because one player makes a mistake on your team? Have you, maybe you've been that player. Okay, have y'all ever, kids, have y'all ever lost a recess because one of the kids in your class was being bad? Okay. Uh, how about this? I know everyone knows this one. Have y'all, kids, have y'all ever had to quarantine as a family because one person in the family got COVID? Yeah. And was that fair? No, like you hear all this stuff of, it's not my fault, it's his fault. And now the whole day and the whole week is ruined. Um, okay, so we have a problem with that of like when someone else gets us in trouble or messes everything up for us. Hey, what about this? Would you have a problem if a lawyer came to your house, knocked on the door, and came to you? You know, came to you, Charlotte, or came to you, Grace, or Henry, or came to you, Keller, like came to you and said, hey, uh, you didn't know this, but you have a really, really wealthy relative who just passed away, and they just left $50 billion to you. Would that be fair? Would you be okay with that? Yeah, then no problem there. Like, but you didn't do anything for that. So we have a problem when someone messes everything up for us, but we have no problem when someone does something awesome for us. Like, that's, yeah, that's great. Okay, Paul, wait, here's what Paul's going to tell us. Here's what uh, the Bible tells us uh, this morning is that the very, very first person who ever lived, Adam, he was our representative before God for good or for bad. Like if he had done good, it would have been good for all of us. And he did bad and he messed everything up. Through Adam came sin and death into the world. And now we all sin and now we all die. Thanks, Adam. You know, that's what that's what Paul's going to tell us. Like, not fair. That sounds like a terrible deal, all because of what Adam did. Okay, but we're also going to hear that God sent Jesus to be another representative for us before God, and He did good. He did what Adam was supposed to do, and not just that, He actually paid the penalty for Adam's sin and for our sin, and He does that on the cross. That's the most wonderful news that there is, is Jesus comes and saves us doing what we have failed to do, what Adam failed to do, and taking the penalty. And here's the so what for you. You have to believe that you are saved by works, just not your works. You're saved by Jesus' works for you. After the fall, you've got two options to stand before God. You can stand in Adam but in Adam, there's only death, condemnation. Or you can stand before God in Jesus. And in Jesus, there's only life and glory. But those are your only two options, kids. There are no third options. You're either in Adam or you're in Jesus. And the way you're in Adam, you know how you get in Adam, how he's your representative? You're just born. That's it. Do you know how you get in Jesus? How you get Jesus to be your representative? You just have to believe in him. Best deal ever. 
that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, best news ever, the gospel. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Uh, we're in Romans, and we're in chapter 5 uh, this morning. Uh, this is, God, every passage in, the, in Romans is like this big passage. This is another one of those big passages. Uh, Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Okay. So, to help set the stage here, did you know that we do not live in a pure democracy? Uh, In a pure democracy, or they call it a direct democracy, every decision has to be voted on every time by everyone. It should take forever. We have a democratic, federal government. We have a federal government. That word federal comes from the Latin word uh, fides, it means covenant. Uh, Meaning, in this case, our government is representative. Uh, So we elect officials to vote and make decisions on policies, hopefully as our representatives. So if they're successful, we're successful. Uh, If they fail, we fail. And what Paul says here in Romans 5 In this life, we have federal representation. We have a covenant mediator where one man represents others before God for good or for bad. And it is the case that one person has already changed the destiny of all people who have ever lived. Doesn't matter when you lived, doesn't matter where you live. Doesn't, whatever your ethnicity, whatever your language, what, whatever, whether you're a male or you're a female, whatever your country, whatever your government, whether or not you believe it, one person has already represented you and has changed everybody's identity, reality, destiny. 
And here in chapter 5, verse 12, right at the beginning, Paul talks about this guy, Adam, who was very real, very historical Adam. But he wasn't just any real historical person. He was the first person, and he was the federal covenantal representative of all mankind before God. He was called to represent us for good, but Adam failed. He failed as our representative, and through Adam, sin and death came into the world, and death spread to all mankind. Now, that does beg the question of, wow, what did Adam do that was so wrong? And a lot of people, like a lot of people know, and not just in the church, but like all over the world, people know, like, I know what he did. Adam ate the forbidden fruit. Okay, and this is where a lot of people have a lot of problems because it's this thing of like, wait, I'm going to die. I'm like, die, die. I'm going to hell because Adam took a bite of an apple that was forbidden. So everyone is going to hell. Like, that's insane. That's insane of this God. Like, that, that's gross. That's stupid. And, and the well-meaning, the well-meaning response from many Christians, it can come across, like, what do you do with that problem? Well, okay, it, it, this well-meaning response can come across, well, yes, but that's how holy God is. And just one little sin, and everybody is doomed. Okay. That is an inadequate response to the big problem of what did Adam do? You know, what did Adam do so wrong? God gave Adam a task, a very clear task. It says there, right after he creates Adam, Genesis 2.15, God put Adam in the garden to work it and to keep it. To keep it, like think of like a, a, a keep, like, like a tower, a, a castle. You got to keep it, you got to guard it. Everywhere else that word keep in the Bible, it means guard. So he's supposed to work the garden and guard the garden. And, and you want to say like, okay, what does that mean? Like guard the garden. God tells him right the very, very next verse. He put, him, he put Adam in the garden uh, to work it and to guard it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of the tree, of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Like, there is Adam's task, right there. Don't eat of this, don't eat of this one tree. Instead, guard it. Guard it. And then, you, and then it begs the question, like, guard it from whom? Like, guard it from whom? Myself? Like, don't eat of it? No. You guard things against an enemy. Which means Adam should have been expecting an enemy to intrude God's holy sanctuary of the Garden of Eden, and Adam needs to guard this tree from that enemy. That's his task. And, and are you familiar with how this unfolds? An enemy shows up. That serpent, that snake who is the devil himself, <clears throat> and standing right next to that tree, what does the enemy say to Adam and Eve? Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And then, and then let me first anticipate an objection that might be growing in your mind. You might be thinking, wait, wait, I thought 
Eve sinned first because she ate the fruit first and then gave it to Adam. So didn't sin and death really enter the world through Eve? You know, get her. Like, no, okay. Ah, okay, but Genesis is clear and Paul is clear. Adam, Adam was the federal covenantal representative of all mankind, not Eve. And Adam's failure to guard the garden and not eat of that tree, that failure began by just standing there and letting his wife be tempted and seduced by the devil. And the whole trial and the whole test culminated in Adam eating too. But you see, Adam's transgression, it is so much more than just like one sin, one bite of a forbidden fruit. This is a test of Adam's love and obedience. The devil shows up blaspheming God's name, calling into question God's goodness and his trustworthiness. And as king and guardian of the garden, Adam is supposed to be on the lookout for an enemy. And when one shows up at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam is supposed to declare the devil to be evil. And he's supposed to declare God to be good. And he's supposed to condemn the trespass of this blasphemer. This is the guarding. Condemn the trespass of this blasphemer in God's holy place and kick him out. And if he had, God would have declared this first Adam righteous for this one act of obedience. And Adam would have merited eternal glory for himself and for all those whom he, he, whom he represented. Because that's exactly what Jesus, the second Adam, did. Everything here, everything with Adam and the God, everything's on the line and Adam knows it. Like he knows he's supposed to worship God. He knows he's supposed to subdue the earth. He knows he's supposed to fill it with a bunch of babies who grow up to be God worshipers. Like he knows if he passes this one test right here that, God, that he will earn eternal life and eternal glory which has been promised to him in that whole seventh day Sabbath rest that God entered and that whole thing of the tree of life. And he would have earned it not just for himself. If he passes this test of obedience right here, he's going to earn heaven for everyone. And he knows the penalty if he fails here in this one test. God has told him death, 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 death for himself and for everyone it's not just taking a bite of fruit. His transgression is he breaks the covenant of creation with God. He chooses himself over God. And he chooses himself over all those whom he represented. When Adam sinned, he brought into the world what had never been in the world. Sin and the death of mankind. Death, death. Condemnation, death. This is forever death. This is hell death. And that thing that people hate most about themselves, you know, whatever that struggle is uh, for each of us, that flaw that cannot be overcome in us, that thing we cannot get over, that thing, sin, it is in mankind from this moment on. And that thing that mankind most fears, death, it has held dominion over the world, over mankind, ever since the fall. Uh, I, my, my favorite 
uh, female author is Mary Shelley. Uh, favorite guy author is Edgar Allan Poe. And someone here, I think, borrowed my Edgar Allan Poe book a collection of stories. And I don't know who, and I need it back. Um, but uh, 19th century writer, uh, I think it was Nathan McNeely, uh, he wrote a um, short story. He wrote a short story called The Mask of Red Death. I was just reminded of this story. It's awesome. Uh, it's perfect timing because this is a familiar tale for us. Uh, there's this, okay, so in this story, there's a dangerous plague that is sweeping across this fictional land. Uh, and, and the plague, like the symptoms are, what it inflicts is like sharp, sharp pains all over your body, sudden dizziness, and then profuse bleeding from all of your pores. And then within half an hour, you're dead. Okay, so it's awful. And, and the prince of this land is a guy named Prince Prospero. Uh, and, and, or it's Prospero. Pro, and, and so Prospero uh, and his court, d d they're totally indifferent. They're indifferent to the sufferings of the, the population. And so this prince, along with a thousand of his nobles, they hide away uh, and distance themselves from, uh, from the population. And they plan to just wade out the plague till the end uh, in, his, in his palace, in his castle, to, in luxury and safety behind the walls. And so they go to his castle and they weld the door shut. No one's going out. No one's coming in. Okay, so uh, they throw, to fill the time, they throw huge parties. And one night they threw this huge masquerade ball and uh, they set up in one of the wings of the palace where there are seven rooms that, that are all kind of joined together. You go from one to the next and the next. And they're all, the, all, each room is a different color. And like the windows are that same color. So it's all like, they're all blue. You know, one room's all purple, one room is all green, and then orange, and then white, and then violet. And then the last room is decorated black and it's lit up by the stained glass window like scarlet blood. All over so it's this really really freaky room and no one wants to go into that room to party okay and then at the chime of midnight everyone stops cold dead in their tracks because they notice someone they have not noticed to this point there is a figure in a dark blood spattered robe it looks like a big funeral shroud big cloak and the person's mask you know everyone's wearing a mask at this masquerade ball this person's mask it's the face of someone who has the Red Death, big party foul. Prospera is so insulted, he demands the party goer, you know, take off your mask, reveal who you are, because we're gonna find out who you are and then we're gonna hang you. And he's like, get him, and nobody moves. Nobody wants to go near this figure, this person. He's really, really freaky. Uh, and, and so the person, no, everyone's getting out of his way, he starts walking from the first room and he just starts walking down each room. And everyone's getting out of his way and no one wants to touch him until he finally gets to the last room and Prospero at that point has just had enough and just kind of in a frenzy, he grabs a dagger and he chases down this figure. And he gets to him in the seventh room and all of a sudden the figure turns and Prospero yells in, in horror and he falls down dead, bleeding all out of his pores. And that makes everyone else go into a frenzy. And they actually do gang rush this guy. And they grab his mask and they grab his cloak. And there's nothing underneath. It's the Red Death. And everybody gets the plague. And everybody dies. And the last line of the story says, And darkness and decay and the Red Death held illimitable dominion over all. 
that's where we are. <laughs> that's the world that we live in. Thank you, Adam. Like, and you hear this, and like, I don't like this. Like, I didn't sin. Adam sinned. Not my fault. I wasn't there. But Paul says, you were there. You were there in Adam. Verse 12, death spread to all men because all sinned, meaning Paul means all sinned in Adam. And to make that point, Paul then trails off for a couple of verses, verses 13 and 14, to say, let me be super clear in, in what I'm saying here. Even though you read these verses like, God, these verses are anything but clear. Like, like, let's just follow the logic here. He says, verse 13, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. Okay, that is sin was in the world before the Mosaic law was given. We're like, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, okay, but sin is not counted where there is no law. That is, sin, okay, sin was in the world before the Mosaic law was given, but sin is not counted to God's people when God's people are not under a covenant of works. That is, like, sin is not counted to God's people under a covenant of grace, right? Yeah, right, okay, okay, yeah, okay, good, okay. Yet, Paul says, verse 14, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. That is, God's people between Adam and Moses, they didn't have a law. You know, think of the patriarchs. Think of like Abraham. They didn't have a law that said, don't do this or you'll die. And yet, death reigned from Adam to Moses. So then it basically was, okay, so where does, where do those people's guilt, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, like where do those people's guilt and condemnation come from? And Paul says, they were also in Adam. Adam represented them. And because Adam was counted a sinner and counted guilty, so were all of them. And they also died because of it. As in like they were born dead in sin. Born dead in sin at birth, spiritually, and yet they died physically too. Uh, God did not show up. So here's what, God did not show up after Adam failed and say, okay, well, you failed, so you got to leave Eden. But I tell you what, when, when you have kids and they grew up, bring them back to the Garden of Eden, and I'll put them through this test, and we'll see if they pass. Like, no, Adam was the one representative, and he failed, and everyone failed in him. And thus, even though we here are saved by grace, and even though we here in Christ, we will live forever in this life, God's people still experience the effects of Adam's sin. Even God's people are under assault by sin and death. And this is what we would call, what, what uh, theologians call original sin. This problem of original sin, inherited guilt, inherited depravity. As in like, you've got to be careful how we say this. We are not sinners because we sin. Yeah, we, we sin and we're sinners, but we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. As in, you did not come into this world neutral. You don't remember what you were like as a baby. Your parents do. Um, and some object uh, to, you know, this idea of like, in ah, Adam, okay. And then there are other objections that come along uh, that object to the idea that Okay, wait, Adam, God's creature, 
Did you say he could have earned heaven for himself and for it? Like, no, 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 no. Like, a a creature of God's, like, uh, uh, the thought that a man could earn heaven is, that's that's rather diabolical. Like, it's, it's arrogance. Man can't do anything that would be meritorious before God and be a way of earning heaven. And then other critics along this line would say something to the effect of, Okay, uh, m- m- let's say this. Maybe man, man may be able to merit a little something from God, maybe a little earthly reward, but not heaven. This is, th- 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 that just seems like such an incredible disproportion between the reward that God gives and the service man renders. Adam's going to get heaven by, kicking the, by saying no to the devil at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Man simply, the, the critics would say, man simply does not have the significance on the scale of being that he could do anything to merit eternal life. And here's the answer. Ooh. If Adam is not high enough, high enough up on the scale of being so, so that anything positive he would do would have the value of deserving eternal life, well, that mean, doesn't that therefore mean that Adam also does not have the significance to do anything by way of disobedience that would merit eternal death? Like, if the consequences of his actions don't add up to anything eternal, then he also didn't deserve eternal condemnation, death. And if he didn't deserve eternal condemnation, and God sends his son into the world to suffer eternal death in order to save his people, that would make God an unjust God. Like, it just doesn't work. He's imposing, God, that would be God imposing on Adam and imposing on the second Adam, Jesus, more punishment than his and our rebellion deserve. So the problem with the problem is that if you think Adam's arrangement with God is unfair, then how are we going to reconcile the second Adam arrangement, the second Adam's arrangement with God? Because that one we really like. After the fall, what happens? After the fall, God shows up, and He is there for judgment. like what do you think he's going to do like he shows up and what do you think the devil thinks god is going to do the devil thinks god is going to come and condemn adam and all of us and god does show up in judgment and he does pronounce a curse but his condemnation falls on the devil Genesis 3 14 15 the lord god said to the servant because you've done this i will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring he shall strike your head and you shall strike his heel the curse on the devil I mean, this is, this is, God shows up at the fall and he curses the devil and the curse on the devil at the same time, that's the promise of salvation for God's people through an offspring of a woman, a serpent trampling savior. It's awesome that the first promise of grace and salvation for sinners, it comes in the form of a declaration of war against our enemy. And Paul says that that serpent trampling Savior, he says it's Jesus. That said, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more uh, have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Here comes a second Adam, a better Adam, a better covenant representative. And it's even better, better. Like it's not just a one-to-one parallel. Jesus is the greater Adam. He says over, and he says in verse 15, uh, he says, the free gift is not like the trespass. The free, 16, the free gift is not like the result of one man's sin. Adam knew 
he was rep- Adam knew he was representing his beloved wife Eve. And he knew he was, going, he, he was representing his children to come and their children and their children. Like he knew as the father of all mankind, Adam knew he was representing all posterity. And he chose to rebel and forfeited all, forfeit everything for himself and for us. Jesus knew he was representing his enemies. And he chose to forfeit himself. And so he went to a cross to suffer the curse of God's wrath against sin, not his sin and not for one sin. He suffered for all the sins of his people. For the sins of enemies to make them his people. For millions and millions of people from the fall to the consummation of history. What Jesus has done is greater than what Adam was supposed to have done for us. And here's the the so what is you must make your choice. Either Adam is your representative or Jesus is your representative before God. It's one of the two. And one brings death and one brings life. And your eternal destiny depends on one of the two. Like we said to the kids, how does Adam represent you? You just got to be born. How does Jesus represent you? You just got to believe in him. And Paul ends this passage addressing a potential objection. He knows where it, Paul has already encountered many in the church, many Jews in the church, many, many new Christians who don't get this. And they're having a hard time with this saying that God, what they would want to say is, well, wait, God also dealt with sin by giving Israel the law. Like God saw his sinful people and he gave them the law to say, this is how you are righteous. Like follow this law to take care of your sin problem. Paul says, no, no. The law came to increase the trespass. That was the point of the law. The law came to expose how sinful you are, to so convict you of your sin in order to drive you to your Savior. There's, a, there's another great book, Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, old, old, old story. Uh, this story, it's a dream. It's a dream, and, and the dream is about a man named Christian going on a long journey from his hometown to the city of heaven. And along the way, someone finds Christian on the road, and he's all bloodied and beat up. And, and, and they ask him, like, who did this to you? And Christian says, Moses did. Mo- Moses beat me up. Like, the, the law of Moses attacked me and beat me, whipped me. And then someone else comes along and helps Christian and heals him, makes him well again. And it's Jesus. the law cannot save us and yet today the objection persists this fear of moral laxity which is where we're going next week that if you assure people in the church of their salvation just because they believe in jesus they're going to live however they want and paul says no if you don't assure people of their salvation simply by grace through faith in jesus christ then they will live however they want Assurance of your salvation does not come from living a faithful Christian life. Living a faithful Christian life comes from assurance that you are saved because of Jesus. There's this wonderful thing of can it be that the eternal destiny of millions of people, the eternal destiny of all Christians throughout history depend on just one person? It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter uh, where they've been. It just matters what the one man has done for them. 
The law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That is, the more sinful you see that you are, the more clearly you see your situation, then grace just gets bigger to you. And the cross gets bigger to you. That's what we want. We want the cross to be bigger today than it was yesterday. And we want the cross to be bigger to us tomorrow than it is today. Your one hope, that one man, that second man, that second Adam, Jesus Christ, he's done what we cannot do. The, the good news is that good. All you have to do is believe. Let's pray. Father, we come glorying in your gospel. This, this awesome good news, this incredible revelation of your love in your grace. We praise our Lord and Savior Jesus doing what we can't do, doing what Adam, our father, failed to do. And we've done nothing to deserve it. Father, help us to continue to run to the gospel today and tomorrow and the next day. Help us to hold it out to each other today, tomorrow and the next day and next Sunday. Lord, that we would, we would know the inclination of our hearts that the nature of ourselves is to immediately stand before you to try to justify ourselves. We, we've been born with that. That thing is ingrained in our hearts because you gave it to Adam. Lord, help us to understand that that's where that comes from and that we cannot do it. We cannot be good enough. We cannot, we cannot do enough good. It's Jesus. Help us to hold on to Jesus by faith. And through that faith, Lord, uh, come to love you more and more today and the next day and to love our brothers and sisters with your grace. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen.